0: Look, we've had several openings making fun of Johnny Football. But if Drew Rosenhaus has said he can't help you and doesn't want to help you, your life is heading downhill fast. Good luck in life, Johnny. Yes! Hey, welcome back to Wisdom of the Wannabes. you got Alan and Ryan. And while last week we could have talked about the uh, NCAA men's final, not that we had touched the women's because that's all UConn all the time, We could have talked about the Masters. We could have talked about opening day. We didn't do a show. So now we're doing a show, Beardo. And I guess we are going to talk about the final day of the NBA season, the final day of Kobe's 20-year career, and officially now, as the Pens just had a hat trick and won against the Rangers, hockey playoffs, which I'll bury in the bottom Get done with your uh, sound effects. But, you know, as a lifelong Lakers fan who got to go and see them play in whatever manner they are, you can talk about it. uh, I will give you the floor to talk a little bit of Black Mamba love here. If you want to. If not, we can move on.
1: I do. I really
0: think he deserves a a little. I, I think he deserves quite a lot. I don't like the guy, but he's meant a lot to your you know franchise well he
1: he most people don't like the guy and the most people that don't like him and it, and i'm not throwing you in this necessarily because you're not a big nba guy never have been a, a very big nba guy but the, nope. the people that hate him the most are the people that would kill to have him on their team um and i i do think it is you know i i had the the, the opportunity to um be in LA last week for a work function, and actually got to go to the Lakers Clippers game and personally see. I've seen him play. I don't know, maybe a handful of times live, um, and you know certainly appreciate it. And they were much better years for Kobe. When I'm with you in the American Airlines yep. Center there against the Mavs,
0: uh- which I think was my infamous night of just saying, you know, Dirk doesn't have it. I think that was two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Trade him. He'll. He'll never win. Damn it! Trade him. Bring in. Yep. <laughs> Andrew Bynum. Uh,
1: but the uh, anyway, they uh, <clears throat> it was really cool to see. It was it was a bittersweet because it was really great to see him and really great great to see the crowd. It was a back to back Clippers Lakers game Tuesday and Wednesday, and um, Tuesday it was the Clippers that were the home game, and so I was there Wednesday with the Lakers who were the home team, and the only thing that means is there's more, more- Lakers fans in the building than Clippers fans
0: don't they have to change the floor? They do, too? they do. Okay, the, all right. That's what, that was going to be my question. The, they have to change the floor.
1: The, fo- the folks that are changing the floor are far better paid than you and I combined. <laughs> um, but the um, – anyway, so that was really neat to see how the crowd treated him. It was really a lot of fun when he was on the bench, you know, especially in the fourth quarter. The whole uh, stadium would cheer. You know, this the game was out of hand by this point. And, you know, the, they put him in and everybody went crazy. It was a lot of fun. Um but it was also bitter in that this is a sorry-ass basketball team right now. Um, and I'm not going to get into that, but that was the bittersweet of it. But in terms of Kobe, let me just it, – it was really neat to see that, you know, third to last game. That was, that was cool. That was a, a unique opportunity. But, um, you know, he is most certainly a legend. Um, he's almost an institution. Um, he is um, – he, he's almost his own generation. You know, kind of this, oh,
0: yeah. Between I think, I think between Jordan and between, you know LeBron, it was the Kobe years. Yeah,
1: and and you look at all these other great players, you know, and and I think it, it's he's such an interesting. There's many great articles that are written about it. You could go read and probably have read, um, and some terrible ones, and yes, and some terrible ones. But there's a lot of really great articles about how he is, you know, somebody who came into the league as this sort of hero. You know, if Jerry West is like. Hey, this guy's great. I'm gonna give up the world at the time, which was Vladdy Divots. If that sets the stage for what the league was and the team was, but hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna trade this guy to go get this kid, then you know, Jerry West has some pedigree. But the
0: uh he... How, wait, can you just imagine that? Like the locker room went from smelling of cheap European cigarettes to, you know, hustle and you know, sweat just by that one move. And
1: yeah, until Palga Gasol came in. Uh
0: Oh, yeah. Then the Euro six came back.
1: But, you know, when he came in, you know, the criticism was, is that, you know, why? And he was never close to these his players, his teammates. There was never a point when he was as tight with them. But he you know, he was often criticized for being too intense and practice going hard. And, you know, here's a guy who at a very young age was like, I want to be the best at basketball. I want to be absolutely the best there is. And I don't think there's a whole lot of difference between him and Jordan in terms of their personalities and whatnot. But he, you know, he's we were I was, you know, listening to some talk shows today. Talk about this is like, you know, where is he? Is he in the top 10 of all time? And, you know, then they brought up a good point of, you know, well, top 10 in terms of the basketball that I've seen. Yes, he's absolutely in there. But, you know, I also didn't see Bill Russell play. I didn't see Wilt Chamberlain play. Um, you know, I only saw the tail end of Dr. J. And but you know, I think if you look at that early to mid '80s, the heyday of Magic and Bird, and you know, the oncoming of the of the Pistons, and then the the Jordan's Bulls, like he's hundred percent a top ten player, and I think he's probably a top ten player of all time. Even if you go back to the younger years, um, he had a work ethic that was absolutely second to none. Um, you know, you hear stories about the first Olympics when he and LeBron were on the team together and they, and they would go out to eat and then, you know, the other guys would be going out partying and they'd see Kobe, he'd be like later and he'd be going to the gym and working
0: out. And there's a, and I think that if I remember right, uh, LeBron is credited that with changing his style and has yet to pay off for LeBron like it did for Kobe, but he's got a they're lot two, more I, they're two di- Yeah, and they're two different players, quite honestly. Yeah, LeBron's
1: uh, a, LeBron physically is like a, a, like a unique specimen. His athleticism and size is second yep. to none. Um, is he as good of a player as Kobe? I don't know. You know, time will tell. But yeah, you're absolutely right. That changed. I mean, he still says to this day is like, that was an eye opener of, you know, th- that's why. What-
0: hey, it just coast on talent. It, you've got to actually keep playing at a higher level when you get to this level. Yeah.
1: Well what was amazing to me also was reading in this one of these articles today, and I don't remember which one, but it was just about how he sought out the best of the best and went and spent time with them and wanted to um wanted to learn from the best. He, you know, this very interesting wild story if you haven't read it about, you know, him spending time with Michael Jackson and like going to Neverland if you can believe all this and them just like, you know, you know kobe asking him like where did you you know like watching his old videos listen to his music like how'd you come up with this this is so great and then like changing you know exchanging stories about greatness and and you know michael jackson telling him he said the sticks with him today is seek out the best of the best and get their advice pick their brains and he was like ever since then he would you know they said jordan came up to him at one point early in his career and said hey if you ever need anything, I'm serious, call me. And he was like, he took him up on it like days later. Um, He went to Hakeem Olajuwon to his ranch in Katy and spent time with him and asked him like, you hit about his baseline move. Like, how do you do this? How do you get this so quick? And Hakeem to this day says, no one picked it up better, faster in all the players that have come to work with him than Kobe Bryant. And I think that that like is a testament to there's not another. Play- I mean, think about this in this day and age. How many players have spent that many seasons on one team, being that great for that long? No. So when and, was the last time you have seen that? I mean, other than Tim Duncan, who is I will shed all you know uh, all of these accolades that I'm saying now will also go on Tim Duncan when he retires, which is probably at the end of this year.
0: Uh, and it's going to be very quietly too. Uh, and that's you know just who Tim is and you're right and I was thinking back on it today is you know and I just right now as we're talking I'm like well what about Jordan oh wait we had to put up with you know Jordan coming back with the Wizards Wizards. and then he went to the Wizards and I mean we saw uh, most people tend to forget those Wizard years and for Kobe to stick to his guns now granted sticking to his guns has cost this team at least the last two years, if not the last three, but hey, that's up to, you know, that's how the, I I guess that's how the system's set up. Well, Uh, well, I like going back to one thing that you just said real quick is him seeking out, um, you know, advice and asking people. That's what last weekend going into, you know, the masters is I was really surprised because I read something on Monday or Tuesday about that Bryson kid, you know, the DeChambeau that, yeah. you know, he went talked to Nance and others and just wanted to know everything there was about the course. And then you look at what he did and, you know, now he's turning pro. That's very much Kobe is like, talk to the people who've been there and can help you out. And, um, you know, he doesn't get enough credit for that. And part of it's just because Kobe's attitude, you know, I don't think he's ever been, uh, I guess I want to say he he doesn't come off as humble, you know. No. Like he comes off as yeah, I'm awesome, yeah. and uh, he proves it. He has back in the day proved it on the court. Right now, today's Kobe is not Kobe, and actually, well, you have to remind me is was Kareem at this stage, you know, the same as it certainly wasn't the same as young Kareem, but. I don't remember it being as much of a train wreck as it is right now. Well,
1: Kareem – well, first off, for those who are listening live, which is
0: nobody, he's (laughs)
1: he's putting on a clinic right now. He's playing out of his mind the last
0: five minutes. Um, Which, by the way, I can't see because my uh, cable company switched on me, and they forgot to uh, put us all into our brand-new apps, so – kudos to frontier Communications. Nice. Well, I can't get anything to work.
1: Well, you you know what, one point that I want to make about why he rubbed people the wrong way. And and I think that when you think about, you know, he and Shaq, you know, he and Shaq got along fine until the wheels fell off in that fourth finals against the Pistons. Um, but it was also, these are two massive massive egos with two starkly different styles Um, and you know, at some point, you know, when winning is the only thing that's going to keep that together. Now, I still say, I said at day one, I said it at day two, I said it at day 30. And I still say today, if they would have gotten rid of Kobe instead of Shaq, um, all those great years in the, uh, you know, those three straight finals appearances, two straight wins, uh, that would have never happened. Uh, no, I, I agree with you. But here, here's the thing that I want to say also about Kobe and, you know, the way he's rubbed players the wrong way. The more his career has gone on, the more that, that friction has existed. But you also think about who are these players that are coming in. Think about you and I. Think about when we're talking shop or think about with some of your colleagues. You know, how often does the topic of millennials come up and their entitlement come up. You think about when Michael Jordan was in the league, it wasn't until probably the last three or four years of his contract that he was making more than like five, $8 million a year. Kobe's made like 25 million a year for the last like six years. Think about you're going to make in going into this league in two years, you can sit on the bench and make $10 million a year. Colin Cowherd, who – very polarizing. I, I know you're not a fan of his. The people love him oh, or hate
0: him. I'm glad he's not on the air here. Well, but he he
1: had a very interesting point. It's that nobody wants to work as hard as Kobe because hey, we're all getting rich. And oh yeah. He's and 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 so it it's that's kind of this mentality of the game. And and I'm not saying it's 100 percent true, but I can totally see it. Um, but nobody, I mean, him to this day, even. Through the ruptured Achilles, through the torn ACL, through the rotator cuff injury, through all of this adversity, he still had a work ethic that was second to none, and I think that is what he should be applauded for the most. And at the end of the day, go look at the record books at uh, uh, at All Star games. Go look at points scored, go or uh, total scoring. Go look at um, you know All Star MVPs. I mean, he's up there, and it's like Kareem. Michael, Carl Malone, Kobe, Magic. Those are the names that are in all of those categories. And sometimes he's four, sometimes he's two. But he is a legend. And you know, as much as people hate him and might be hating this thing, let me tell you something. This happened with a lot of other people you just didn't have 24-hour media talking about.
0: Yep. And I think that was the deal is that he kind of came of age right when You know, it wasn't social media, but when 24 hour news cycles were happening, when the Internet was, you know, in its infancy, if you will, and hitting the ground, it's when the ESPN phone, if you remember that, you know, came out, he had to live through that all the time. And he had, you know, that little situation, Colorado, which, you know, that is something that we'll talk about later involving another team. I mean, look, uh, he had to deal with some pretty bad stuff no, you know, no, externally no. on the court, you know, coaches, you know, Jackson, you know, coaching him, but then also depancing him when he left, yeah. you know, uh, and then coming back and I think they, are they in a good place now? I think that Jackson has come back around and said, you know, look, I was kind of pissed uh, and, uh.
1: I think they're good he with each good other. I, I think they're totally good with each other. I, I I don't think there's any like lingering ill will um at, at all. And, and you know, you're right. He's had to deal with a lot of adversity, and look what he's done in that adversity. You know, the one thing I'll, the last thing I'll say on this, and we can move on, go on right. and on about this. But is the hey, the night is
0: yours. I'll let you have. Well,
1: it. is the, the the fact that you look at um you know kind of the the generational um you know difference between him and the newcomers you know the the reason that it didn't and this was also kind of touched on in one of these articles is dwight howard never in his life had anybody talk to him and challenge him the way that kobe did when he got there
0: and look at what happened to dwight
1: yeah well and 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 that's why and i think that that he was you know you know dwight howard's very aloof but it's frustrating because you look at dwight howard and you're like i look at you i look at your body i look at you play and there's no reason why you shouldn't be dominating this league the same way, if not more than Shaq dominated this league when he was in his prime.
0: And-, well, I, and you look at that and that it goes back to what we said when we went to that game is, you know, at the time I didn't think Dirk had the mindset. And I think Dirk went away and came back with a completely different mindset that if you watch, I mean, literally from the next season on, Dirk proved me wrong and turned into a different player. Dwight came in and just proved everybody right that he was not the man. I mean, he looks like somebody you should be able to build a team around and have maybe another a player, but certainly a lot of B's and C's and that should be able to take you, you know, at least two rounds into the playoffs and he's just not that guy and Kobe and, you know, Jordan, even though I think Jordan did, a different way and maybe it's because of the time and the generation gap that we're talking about, but man, he would beat people down in practice, but he did it so that when the games came on, they delivered for him. And I think that's what Kobe tried to do, but he just didn't have that one little piece. And
1: and it's funny you say that because, you know, if you go and read some of these write-ups, it's like, there's stories of, you know, they would say in the Lakers, it's like every time they brought in a new player, he would go play one-on-one with him. And would just destroy them after practice. And then in the locker room later, like they're like sometimes like literally driving people to tears. And then later in the locker room, they would sit down, he would sit down with them and say, Here's what you're gonna do, here's how you're gonna get better at this. You know, Ron Artest had a story of, you know, he's on the plane after a game and he's playing cards or dice, you know, (laughs) you know, Yeah, something like that. And Kobe goes up to him and says, Ron, come sit back here, I wanna show you something. And he would show me and he would sit there and show me stuff about the game from that night on film and show me stuff that was happening. He was like, you know, but he said, that's a kind of like, I'll follow him everywhere he goes. Like everywhere he goes, I will follow him a player like that. And he's like, you'd be asleep on the plane. He doesn't give a shit. He'd come and wake you up and pull you back there and go over stuff that happened on that game that night in the back of the plane. And it's like, I mean, like who does that?
0: Um. You know, I think it's, you see, you hear a lot of it in the quote, unquote, the hall of famers, you know, and there are some hall of famers that get in just by talent. And then there's some that just get in by sheer grit and determination. I can see
1: like, and I think
0: he's a combination of the two.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can totally see bird doing that.
0: Oh yeah. You know, but I, uh, God, what did I hear about bird earlier this week that, you know, is just how, Oh, it's Walton's book is coming out. And like, the crap that, you know, he gave Walton on the Celtics is like you either get rid of him or get rid of me and kept challenging Walton, of all people. And uh, it was a great story. And I, You got to look it up because it was the pool that they, they grew about who could lay one down on Manute Bull, of all people. Huh. And uh, it ended up ro- rolling over game after game until uh, God Parrish eventually did it and won thousands of dollars. And it was just because, you know, uh, Bird kept challenging his team. It's like, you have to dunk on this guy. You've got to teabag him into submission. And when they finally did it, you know, they broke him. And that was it. Yeah. But, wow, we, the one thing of all the articles I've read today that I love and I'm looking at right now is on ESPN, the 20 things about Kobe. And it's right there kind of towards the end is, you know, talking about his nameplate. That he's been there for so long, you know, 20 years, that his nameplate has not been moved. And so everybody else's around him is in different font sizes, looks different, you know, depending on when. they And his is just so old and etched in. It just doesn't look current at all because he's been such an institution to the Lakers. And, you know, I think that's what we'll all take away from this and look back on, you know, the Kobe years and what he did and obviously he's so he's still so young in real life not you know athletic life that he can be a huge institution for the Lakers for basketball for years to come now, if he chooses to I'll
1: tell you the um the it, one one thing I'll say side note the Jackie McMullen did a you know ironically a Boston gal did a uh she her, she had a really great great write up on on Kobe on ESPN. I uh, urge you if you haven't read that one, check that out. But the um, you know, you were asking about Kareem. You know, talking about Kareem and his later years. You know, people forget Kareem. I think played till he was forty two years old.
0: I think that was it. Yeah, I mean, I remember him being ancient when we were watching that.
1: Well, and my point is, is that you know, you also got to think about too, is that um, you know, Kobe didn't go to college, and I think Kareem spent three years at least at UCLA. Um,
0: God, I don't know how long. He well, he, I, mean, I know he is there. Yeah.
1: And so anyway, but I think that when Kareem was Kobe's age, he was still playing really, really well.
0: And, you know, uh, and I'm looking at it right now. I just pulled it up. Is that you know, he played 20 seasons too. So they're wrapping up, you know, in years the same. But to your point, Kobe's still a much younger man uh going out than kareem was yeah well but anyways you know
1: uh, you know, talking about the end of an era you know him and kevin garnett were the real were the like you know you see coming out of high i mean before the rule change coming out of high school was nothing it was yep. nothing and kg and kobe were the ones that really started that you know they were the first ones i think kevin garnett was i think oscar robertson uh you know came out of high school believe it or not if i'm not mistaken but the uh but I think since then, like Kevin Garnett was the first one and Kobe was a year later. Um, but that, they really started that. And now, you know, the, the number is on and on and on until the rule
0: change. Yep. Which that rule change is about the dumbest thing there is. Uh, because, you know, you just look at some of those programs that we did not cover uh, in the dance. And you look at, you know, the team that won. We'll never see most of those guys again. No. Uh, I mean you know, unless we're traveling internationally and happen to go to a game in Italy or something like that.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, but, um, but yeah, like Dwight Howard came out
0: of high school. Like Dwight should still be in high school for all. I, I still I think
1: if that guy spent two years in college, it would have done wonders.
0: Yes. I agree with you a hundred percent. Well, let's talk about, uh, the playoff implications Playoffs? because we still have, yeah, I know we still have, uh, a couple of games going on right now that are massively important to everything. I mean, by the time we finish, it's going to be, I think, uh, I don't think anybody had Memphis beating golden state and golden state's got the one wrapped up and those Spurs who literally, as I texted you sat, everybody, uh, still beat the Mavericks at home. Um, uh, and I don't know if, uh, Mavericks
1: need the Lakers to win.
0: Well, the Mavericks, oh, Rockets, I, I'm yeah, sorry,
1: the rocket. Well, so the Mavericks.
0: Yeah. I mean, everybody right now is just trying to play, you know, everybody wants to be the six or the five C yeah. Six, seven, eight, nine
1: right now is, I mean, I guess you five, six, five through eight. And, and I'll include nine in there. Those are still, there, there's some maneuvering that's going to go on there. I think four, one yes. through four is already
0: set. So, you know, it's all who gets what. And if I'm the Mavericks, as I said earlier, I really don't – this is a season, and again, it's it's not the power of Dirk. I mean, Dirk had a down year this year, but is the power of Rick Carlisle as a coach to mix and match this random unit that he's had every single year since the championship year because the front office and Cuban have mismanaged free agency so badly. Um, and we know what happened with the Clippers and, you know, all that stuff. Um, but I, I, this is the year the Mavs should have, you know, tried to pull a 76ers though. I know that that's a risky gamble and I don't know how deep the draft is, but you go in and let's say that they draw a six seed or they draw a five, you know, I think that against Oklahoma city, you know, that that team it can either really come out and, you know, build up a lot of momentum and they can go far or they can crumble underneath their own pressure. You know, you've seen both sides of the thunder. Yeah. Clippers with Griffin coming back and getting healthy this time of year. You know, I, I firmly believe that the Mavs are going to get knocked out. And I want to say, you know, um, they're not going to get swept, but it's not going to be.
1: Pretty. They, so, and so the, the well, it's, we're still unsure of the seeding.
0: Yes. Uh, so, I mean, this is all right now with three games going on, so it's a little bit hard to. Well, the,
1: pre- the Mavericks don't own their own destiny. So, what they need is Golden State to win. They need uh, to beat Memphis. They need the Trailblazers to lose. Um, but I think the, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, the Mavericks. I, I'll tell you, man, it's hard to it's hard to say that. It's hard to be able to. Um, you know to tank it like like you were saying when you got Dirk. <clears throat> I don't know. Well, I mean,
0: if you had, you know, once the uh, God, why am I drawing a blank on his name right now? Probably because it's ten o'clock. But they at had night. a good year. Uh, I
1: mean, that
0: that no, they had a great, great year. year. They had a great year, but you know, forty-two wins. They didn't hit their fifty threshold, but they were not expected to. And I think you know, some people had a over under of you know like thirty. Five wins or something like that so for them to get into it considering that I think the last time we really hit this hard it was when they were a four seed maybe even up into three and obviously Golden State and San Antonio were above them and I said to watch out for Sacramento and Utah and you know you've still got Utah playing right now uh, as we know and there's gonna, they made the playoffs. I mean, they've clinched it. And actually, I'm sorry. No, um, it, this is all about seeding. Utah can't get in. They're out. So uh, they did a lot with not very much on the court. And uh, it's an ugly team. I, I will say this is that the West is kind of, I think, going to be very much like the East was the past several years, except for the fact that the championship in the West is going to be, you know, so amazing I believe because I don't see anybody beating either one of these teams. Well, look at the Warriors the and
1: the Spurs. You know, you look at the you know the Spurs six games behind the Warriors. Now, granted, the Warriors, uh, Popovich has a different strategy than did the Warriors. You know, coming into this season, his his goal wasn't to break the record. And I, I have to believe there was some small part of Steve Curry that was like, "Dude, this team can blow through this league."
0: Uh, oh no, I, I I'll argue against that one. I think that when you know everybody starts off thinking that they've got a pretty good shot, minus you know the Suns and you know the Seventy Sixers. But when you get out hot to a what was it, twenty six nothing run, then you then things start shifting your way. Yeah, and I do think that they had to coach to get this record if it happens. And right now up by 16, you know, a little bit, Oh God, they got a lot of time left in the second quarter. Yeah. Uh, I think break. I think breaking that record means so much to that team that you have to go for it. If you don't, then your players would revolt somewhat. No, I mean I, I
1: agree. I and, and I don't think that Steve Kerr was coming into the season game one thinking I'm gonna break that single season record, but I do believe that Steve Kerr came into the season of like this this looked around
0: and saw that we got a pretty damn good well, shot.
1: Well, like and it probably came in with a mindset that this could be th- this has the great potential to be very, very special year.
0: All I, all I can say is I am I did not see, you know, the Bulls play live when they set the record. But I did see this Warriors teams you know, win a game against the Mavs. And it was really special to watch just what they did because everything flows through Steph. But even when he was off, other guys would come off the bench and just light it up. And this is a team that is really, I think, I don't think it's changing the game. I think they're just good. Yeah. Well, you know, it, the people that are changing the game are the old crotchy sports writers that, you know, let's get rid of the three-point shot. Why? Well, because somebody can shoot it well?
1: The Well, the, the the thing is, is that with all this comparison with the Bulls is that there's two primary differences that I'm sure you've heard. And they are significant and it is legitimate is the three-point shot today in the game is – a thousand percent more, uh, more involved, more, more of an involved, um, strategically involved, deliberately involved piece of the game than it was in the '95, '96 Bulls. And uh, hand checking went away, and that's a big deal.
0: Yep. No, that I'll that give you the That is a big deal. Checking. That's huge. I, I will say that again. We've established many, many times. I'm not the biggest NBA fan, but back in the day, I know that it wasn't as big a part of it. It was more funneling it down, but guess what? It was still out there to be had. And, you know, just because the warriors decide that they can use it and they can make it good. God go after yeah. it. And, you know, no... to listen to these guys whine and moan, you know, like, and it's always going to be the tribune writers and stuff like that, that are trying to protect this legacy. And I think this is what's great about sports is legacies and records are built to be broken. Right. And, you know, outside of the buried bonds of this world, when those things go down, it's really cool. I mean, I think it helps build the fan base. You know, when I've got an eight year old and a ten year old asking about the Warriors, and they have no idea where they are. Yeah. Let alone really who Steph Curry is and you know, anything else, but they know that there's something going on that helps the NBA. And the NBA I truly believe every sport outside of the NFL needs as much help as they can get to keep people engaged.
1: No, I, I I'll tell you what it, it it's, it, you're absolutely right. It's really amazing. Um, is what, what the, you know, and, and it's funny this day and age, you know, you and I, even as not a close fan, you'll know what I'm talking about is, you know, remember when it was, you know, the Lakers were the King of LA for decades, oh, yeah. um, you know, golden state and the Clippers were afterthoughts at best um you know the clippers were a doormat Yeah, and, and the cleveland cavaliers were you know a pretty good pretty solid first second round playoffs team uh at best for about 5 years in the east uh but now you know you, you you look at the lay of the land cleveland's dominating the east uh the golden state warriors are dominating the west with the clippers up there in the top 4 you know this team at oklahoma city it's just it's you're absolutely right it's you know the the shift in power is always fascinating and interesting in the NBA, especially when you start to see records being broken. Because you know what Golden State's doing, it's like I've watched them play, and it's like how can who doesn't like watching
0: this? No, I, I and you know people we talked about earlier is like people were bitching that the games were so late, and you know I can understand is I want to watch the Warriors, and being in the Central Time Zone, I guess you can do it, uh, East Coast guys. Kind of hurts for them. Yeah, that's uh, that's rough. But guess what? You know that's that's how it works. Uh, what I think is interesting, and you know, you're talking about uh, Cleveland dominating the East, but you look at and that team right behind them that you were shocked at earlier, the Raptors. You know, are the number two in the East, and I didn't think that would happen anytime soon. I didn't think the Hornets would crawl back and turn into a decent team, no. you know, and I was really surprised. And I think, a, well, you can tell there's repercussions already happening, but the Bulls not making the playoffs after what they've put together over the past, you know, couple of years to miss the playoffs outright. That is, uh, that was pretty, uh, surprising to me at least. Yeah. Granted, they've, they've had some challenges, but Damn. well
1: and and you know you know you kind of talk about the shift remember for the longest time it's been the the Western conference with the powerhouse and there was a period there for a few years when it was like the uh, you know the the third best team in the East wouldn't even make the playoffs in the West but now you're starting yep. to see a shift there you know you see the Rockets had an eight seed at 40 and 41 you know you've got everybody in the uh, you know 43 wins for the eighth Eight seed in the east so you know you you might be starting to see a little balance of power there but at the end of the day you know e- even if you throw the 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 calves in there this is a top heavy team between the warriors and the spurs and you know at, at the end of the day I, I if i'm picking a dark horse here i'm picking the um you know i'm picking the thunder that's kind of funny thing to say is a number three seed but i can see the thunder upsetting san antonio But I I think the Warriors are going to go through the playoffs very similar to the way the Lakers did in 2001 when they, you know, they swept everybody. Uh, And I'm not saying the Warriors are going to do that, but um, that's I I just don't think they're going to be in a seven game series. I just don't think it's going to be challenged. It's going to happen in the East. uh, Celtics are my dark horse team. Look for them to get to the Eastern Conference Finals.
0: All right, well, I'll give you Cleveland coming out of the East, and I'm certainly not picking a dark horse here, but I'm not going to take the Warriors. Uh, I think that I will go with the Spurs, uh, representing the West and Duncans last year. Uh, I think that they've just got a tremendous coaching staff, a tremendous roster. Um, Certainly the Warriors are phenomenal, but I just think that this is kind of like they just coasted through And not coasted, but they won 67 freaking games. And they've done it, you know, several of those games. I'd say at least seven of those were by resting at least three, if not four, of their heavy hitters. Uh, Several, you know, more minutes than they should have. And they're ready to turn it on now. This is what the Spurs play for. They've been there. They've done that. You know, they've challenged and won against the Cavs. Um, I'll take the Spurs. And I will note this one little fun fact, and this is be my only NHL trivia, but, uh, you know, my stars won the West. They're number one. And while you've got Toronto as the number two seed in the East, not a single Canadian team in the NHL made the playoffs. Yeah, I heard
1: that so So
0: take that, you Canucks. America Jr. Yes. So, all right, well, I think that's enough nba talk because we uh are still waiting to see how it shakes out um we've gone pretty long here but i do want to hit a couple things college football just so we can keep our streak alive of always talking about college football uh, did you you know have any feelings about the two massive uh rulings i would say and massive is more you know my uh phrasing than anybody else's of no more bowls, so you don't get your Austin, Texas bowl next year, and uh, no more camps outside your campus.
1: Um, bowls, great! You're five years too late. Um, yep that that that's a smart move. Uh, the um, the uh, you know I, I'll be honest with you on two fronts. Number one, I just don't really give a shit. Uh, but number two, I, I, I don't fully understand the, you know, potential, the ramifications. You know, I, I, I don't know what I don't think it's any really big deal. I think it was at the end of the day, I think it was probably the SEC and somebody else going and complaining to the NCAA and them telling Jim Harbaugh, i.e. all of college football, you can't go do this. Um, but I, I, I don't see why it's such a huge deal. I have one, you know, my one thought on the issue, which is not necessarily the ruling, but more so, you know, Harbaugh is a pretty fierce competitor. and And He's
0: going to take advantage of every rule there is and twist it as far as he can.
1: Right. Well, and, you know, Nick Saban's done quite well with that as well. Um, And other coaches have. Uh, But, you know, whenever Harbaugh is ready to go back to the NFL, there will be a job. And the number one thing that will send him there is putting up with the NCAA.
0: Uh, well, we have a guest that appears every year except for this year, and that falls on me. But, um, and it was Mike Leach that said, when, when, in regards to the camp, the only reason this happened is because somebody was selfishly guarding their recruiting base, or the really major motive, they're lazy. Right. So, you know, that's pretty much it. And I think that if you looked at where these camps were popping up, and where it was hitting was in the South. And the fact that these coaches can really think that by having this unknown program called Michigan come in and put on a campus all of a sudden going to make some defensive tackle that's never heard of Michigan before think about listening to them is narrow-minded and typical of college football, quite honestly. Um, again, you and I, we do know that Recruiting is vastly, vastly overrated, but it's very, very important, too. So yes. this is just an example of the power of the SEC and the state of Florida, I, I believe, and Saban somewhat, because I'm going to throw him under there under that bus, protecting what they could. Right. And I think if they are they are so powerful, then why would Saban not want to camp in California? Why would he not want to camp up in, you know, the Rust Belt? Because he they just him. didn't do it. He 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 fears the
1: potential of other schools doing that in his land than he does the benefit of going and getting in someone else's land. Yeah, that's what I believe.
0: I I'll I'll agree with you with that. And then to the bull ban, I mean, good lord, this thing cut them by
1: thirty percent
0: right now. Yes, and. ESPN won't do that. We understand that it's, I I think this year with the, uh, the whack situation I heard keep coming up today, you know, two teams getting, or maybe it's mountain West that had to play in some Arizona bowl. And then three, five and seven, you know, teams getting in uh, really kind of blew the lid off the fact that this is such a screwed up model. And the fact that the television cameras have to shoot at such an angle that you never see the stands, Because outside of, I'd say what, maybe December 28th is when people start going to these games. Maybe, depending on the matchup. No one cares about these early ones. And some of them don't care about the later ones either. Because you have positioned the playoffs as the end-all, be-all. But guess what? Before that, the BCS was the end-all, be-all. But don't tell me some kids fired up about going to the Boca Raton ball. Don't tell me anybody wanted to go truly... To Shreveport, unless they had to. Um, you know, I think it's a, a horrible system. It should be outright that if you're not in the playoffs, you're done. You know, make the season more meaningful to that. I like getting the practice time, but outside of that, that's the only benefit.
1: Yeah, I I, I don't mind the extra game because I think it benefits a lot of teams. I would say if you had, you know, 15 bowl games, I would be happy with that. I mean, you think about your top 30 teams,
0: right? I would do that. I mean, with 128 now Division One teams or something like that, if you want to have 30 bowl games and put, you know, half of them in, okay. But I want some AD to actually have some cojones and go up against these agents for the coaches and say, hey, making a bowl game doesn't mean what it did back in 1985. Right. It's not going to be – you know the,
1: the, the bonus isn't going to be a bowl game. The bonus is going to be which bowl game.
0: Now, I think some of them are getting to that point, but it's slowly and, uh, you know, it's a slow process to get there. And these ADs, I mean, come on, you know, Lin Swan's now an AD. I really don't know what all he brings to the table there outside the fact that people know who Lin Swan is uh, and he can raise some money for USC, but... These guys are all, that's all they care about. Money, 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 yeah. money. And, you know, hey, it, it is what it is. So let's call it what it is. It's a business and act like that. And businesses don't do some of the stuff they've done. But on the flip side, as we, re, you know, uh, as we finish up tonight's episode and we talk about the problems of, you know, the higher ups. Let's also talk about the problems with the guys on the field, specifically in Waco. Mm. Um, that's. You know, I I said this, um, I think I was on board with Baylor when they came up, you know, and started beating A&M eight years ago, nine years ago, whenever that was. And then when they got so good to win back-to-back conferences, that's when something told me, you know, it's not, something's going on there. And then you had the rape allegation last year, and now you've got two more this year. Baylor is once again proving that even as a private institute, they are putting athletics at the forefront of everything else. Yeah. And they are sacrificing everything to win and be a viable uh, you know, university because they. I think they truly believe that realignment is coming again and they want to be in the front of it. And I don't think that anything – and you look at their history from the basketball program to the football program – they will cheat to win.
1: Yeah. They, um, I'll tell you, they, um, they, uh, it, it, I don't have any words like how, how this is going to end. Like, because there's got to be an end game here, you know, be, being a pu- public, or excuse me, a private institution, they're not, um, you know, beholden to the Information of Freedom Act, if I'm not mistaken. Yep.
0: And, um, and we know Waco's legal system, as we saw with the biker situation, is really top-notch.
1: Right. So, I, I you know, I, I it's all terrible. And, you know, you look at—there the, was one report recently that came out about, you know, they waited two years to investigate a, you know, one, one instance of sexual assault. Uh, this one guy who just got busted and arrested recently, like, at some point, it's like, you have to come out. What 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 amazes me more than anything is the lack of national coverage or pressure. If this were USC, or Texas or Miami, or Alabama for a private school, yeah. I, I mean, mean look- if I mean, maybe Iowa State would get <laughs> would get a pass, um, but I, I I think that's what's most baffling to me about it is the hey how how is this not being covered? How is this not more of a story? How did the outside the lines? Uh, a feature went, however many weeks ago that was, months ago almost
0: at this point. Just basically sit there and not have anything happen to right. it, right?
1: Like that—that that to me is the most is the thing that I can't fathom the most. But it—it's from the, the the outside perception because you're getting nothing from Waco, you're getting nothing from the university, you're getting nothing from Bryles, nothing from Star, you're getting nothing out of Waco. So the outside you're letting the outside world create the perception, and the perception is. You've got an epidemic going on there, and you have no control over it.
0: Well, the perception, you know, for them, why fight it if you don't really? I mean, the perception is only for knuckleheads like us and, you know, some people that are really diehard fans because the rest of them won't care about Baylor football until next year. And they'll read a couple of line items, and that's it. Your end game you're also talking about is basically, all right, so when the hammer drops – They're going to punish the university and they're going to punish whatever freshman, sophomore, and junior are there. And then Bryles will be in the NFL somewhere as an OC, let's say. Phil Bennett will go and take over a mid-tier team team like he's done before. They will not have to answer for what they've done. And that is, I think, part of the problem with the NCAA. And, you know, I think about, what, four years ago, five years ago, you kind of took a pretty drastic turn in your appreciation and fandom in college over the NFL. And I was always gung ho for college, but I'm getting to the point myself that these guys are just starting to tick me off so much that I am starting to say, you know what, at least I know that Jerry's in it for the money and, uh, you know, no one's taking billions and putting it away and claiming that they lost money. Um, you know, it's, it's just a shady business that it involves so much of. It's now, you know, impacting, I think, the everyday, not just fan, but the student. And for us that have kids going into these universities that, you know, I hope my sons go to, God help me, UT, go to Texas Tech, a and M. I don't care. I know we're going to be paying a huge amount of money. And a lot of it's tied to athletics on the back end, you know, the student fees and all this other crap. And I just, I don't like them anymore. I want the, I want it to be cleaned up. And I don't think it's ever going to be an amateur sport. It's never been the one, but I don't like the way they continue to basically place blame on the players or outside interests and claim that they are angels. And, uh it's going to come to a tipping point. I really believe at some point where it's going to blow up in their face. Yeah,
1: it's going to come crashing down. And here, you know, the, there's a the, there's a twofold problem, and you you really nailed one of them. The second one is on the field, is that the 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 between the has and the have nots is to pretend like these guys are on the same league on a level playing ground. Playing ground is a joke. Um, yeah, and it, you have the haves. You have. I mean, I, I've said this for years now. Is you need a division of football of that is nothing but like the top 60 teams. Um, yep. And that's its own division, and you play each other, and you do your own thing. And then you have a second division, you know, and then you kind of go from there, just like we have it now. Um, then you go from there. But you, this, you have to put the big boys with the big boys, and some would even argue that number 60 on that 60 teams is not even close to top five.
0: No. Well, I hell, really I mean, tech, t- tech money-wise – And spending-wise, we'll spend ourselves into bankruptcy to make sure that we've got the facilities. But we're still not going to be on the same level as OU, as you guys. You know, maybe we're close to Oklahoma State, but then you got to remember, T-Boone just kicks in a ton. And, you know, Kansas football program is completely different than tech's football well, program. The, the, but don't... if you flip it around to basketball, hell, they can blow us away. Yeah,
1: you're, you're right. And the, the complexity of all the other sports also comes into play. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a huge reason why I'm a, such a big fan of the NFL because they just all play each other. And the way it shakes out at the end dictates who goes where. Um, and everybody's good. Um, you know, you got a quarter of the number of teams. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I think the product on the field, and there's there's just no common sense there's no real world common sense incorporated into the rules and regulations, and it's why I've said my you know top three, top four most you know worthless organizations. And not and has nothing to do with the people that represent and work for these organizations. But the NCAA, the United Nations, the IOC, and the ATF. Why in the world is there an ATF? What? Um, why, why does that exist?
0: We th- those those organizations. Prohibition, buddy. None of the, Prohibition.
1: None of those organizations are really adding a great deal of value, and there's they create more questions and controversy than they do actual results or value. And my, you know, to get off that global stupid tangent, you're absolutely right. There's, you know, to sum it up again, there's no common sense in the way they do their things, and you're absolutely right. I think it will come crashing down. The whole system is going to come crashing down. Now, what the repercussions that look like, I don't know, but it's going to happen. You cannot continue to run a multi-billion dollar business on the backs of these players and then crack the whip on them when they're selling
0: their own tennis shoes. Yep. But in all, you know, of everything that's bad with that. And they can't get a loan. Did you
1: know that? You know that they can't go get a loan or a job?
0: I know they can't get a job or that the job opportunities are so severely limited, you basically can't get I didn't know about a loan, but I know that you can't get a loan and use your talent on the football field as a basis to get a loan. So, yes, I knew that. It's all skewed. I mean, it is – I hate to say it. It is organized slavery for the most part. It really is. But in the grand scheme of things, will we be watching it? Yes, we will. Are we also – you know, thankful that as corrupt as this organization is, we're not soccer fans and we don't have to worry about FIFA. Absolutely. It could be a lot worse. It could be on a global scale. So on that, on that wonderful note, I think we'll wrap up and leave it. So uh, thanks again for tuning in, tell a friend, tell a coworker, um, you know, send a note to Bill Simmons. He's still hiring Bill. We want to work for you. Uh, That's about it. So we'll talk to you again, probably right before the draft. Sounds like a plan. All right. Peace out. Post game show is brought to you by. Christ, I can't find it. The hell
1: with it.